Welcome and thank you for joining us today on Friend of God, brought to you by Friendship Baptist Church in Sturges, Mississippi. It is our goal to take the Word of God to as many people as possible. We pray that you not only enjoy today's message, but more importantly, we hope and pray that it changes your heart and moves all of us to life change and action. God bless and enjoy. All right. Let's, let's live with courage. So, uh, so this morning, you know, we have a great confidence. So the confidence that we have and the confidence that we are entrusted with gives us that courage is to do what? <laughs> to trust in the Lord, right? To trust in the Lord with all of who we are, right? With our heart, mind, soul, and strength to trust in the Lord at all times, to trust that He will... Do what he says he's going to do to be faithful to God regardless of circumstances. That means if we're having the best day we've ever had or the worst day we've ever had, we have confidence. Now there's a story of confidence even back in 2 Kings where Samaria and Elisha and his servant where they lived. And it was a, they were unexpectedly surrounded by an enemy, then died, besieged by night. But when the servant of the prophet saw the army around the city in the morning, he exclaimed, Alas, my master, what shall we do? Now Elisha said, What? Fear not, for those who are with us are more than those who are with them. Living with courage helps us to see God's movement around us. Helps us to entrust in something greater and bigger than ourselves. So living with courage is something we are all called to do. This morning we'll be primarily in Acts 18, verses 9 and 10. If you brought your Bible, you can turn there, click there, or if you did not, there should be some Bibles around in the pews in front of you, so you can partake in those. And uh, if you do not have a Bible, which is the, one of the single greatest uh, tools that we have to fight, and to live with courage. And you're welcome to take that Bible with you. I do have plenty more that I can put out. So, as we think about courage, as we think about what God is calling us to do and how He's calling us to live, the first thing that comes to mind is this, that we are called to live with courage and not to remain silent at such a time as this. I think this past week, there are many things that happened throughout the world that would cause many people to live with some sort of unrest or scared feeling or trepidation in their decision making or what they decided to do. But there are many that chose to remain, to have courage, to stand tall. And many people today, even on our level, have a helpless feeling deep inside. But what I want to remind us when we think about courage is that we are not helpless nor hopeless when the Holy Spirit is at the forefront of the equation. We are neither helpless or hopeless. This world would like to tear us down and tear us apart in pieces, right? And, and, and it can discourage us and just make us go somewhere else. Uh, but, but we were made for such a time as this. And even though we have many that, that feel this way, the Holy Spirit's power is what changes everything. 
And I truly believe that's where we trust. So many people trust in what they see or trust in the fears or things that are in front of them. And you and I trust in the Lord. Acts 18, starting verse 9, it says this. And the Lord said to Paul in the night by a vision, Do not be afraid any longer, but go on speaking, and do not be silent. He tells him to go. He tells him to continue. He said, don't worry any longer. Don't be fearful any longer. But not only does he say that, what does he say next? He says this, for I am with you. See, that is the difference maker, isn't it? It's not the fact that we have fears and anxieties and we have worries. It's the fact, the difference maker is that he is with you and I. He's with us. Wherever we go, in whatever situation, in whatever season we find ourselves in. And you know, when stuff comes against us, or people come against us, or situations get more difficult than they seem, He's with us. And it says in the other part of uh, verse 10, it says, And no man will attack you in order to harm you, for I have many people in this city. As Christian believers, you and I don't operate alone, do we? We have brothers and sisters in Christ. We have those who pray with us, pray alongside us, pray for the, the spiritual needs of mankind, which is what we're all called to do. We bear the gospel in our lives so that others will know of the confidence we have in the Lord. So as believers in Christ, we can read a lot, see a lot, experience a lot, just disheartening. But when the Lord, the Holy Spirit, is indwelling in us, we don't have to fear. Because at the end of the day, we know that God has this. God's in control. God's going to take care of us. God's going to bring to fruition everything that He said He would bring to fruition. So for me, that gives me courage. Not on what I can do, but on what God can do. And if I am a believer in Christ, and I say that I'm a believer in Christ, He indwells in me, then that means that I don't fight by myself to it. I fight with the power of God in my life. And I fight my hardest when I give myself to God and say, God, take it all out of me. My worry, my fear, my hardship, my mindset, my everything, God, it helped me to just see you in the circumstances. Because in Him, God makes all things which are impossible possible. And He does something <coughs> extraordinary in us when we live with courage and when we speak up to the truth of God and live the words of God out in our lives when it's not easy. If you're a believer in Christ, it's not easy to live like that, is it? It's not. When you and I are, are, are dealt the situations of this life and the stressors of this life and the hardships of this life, it's not easy to do that. But the one thing we need to talking, the one thing that helps us stay grounded is our relationship with Christ. So we are called to live with that courage and not remain silent. We're also understanding that God will fulfill all that He has promised. Do you believe that, church? That everything God says within His Word and everything God speaks to us, He'll bring about, won't He? God has not one time ever let me down. Although I'm sure I've let Him down more than times than I can count. And you think about, you ask a kid about things and they start going like this, right? They start counting up things on their hands. I think I would run out of fingers and toes the amount of times I didn't do what I ought to do. 
But I don't think I was ever raising fingers where God didn't show up. And, and, and that's not me saying I'm spiritual or holy now. That's saying I want to trust and courage that God's going to do everything that He says He's going to do. Whenever, even when, I cannot see. So we are called to be strong and courageous as you go. Now I've heard the term as you go before. As you go as believers in Christ, we are to bring about or to allow the, the work of God in our lives to come out into our life. We are to bring the gospel to the doorsteps of our friends and family. We are to be ones who remember who we stand for and who we are in wherever we are. That means if we're in the workplace and we're dealing with difficult circumstances, we still seek to cling to an almighty God and represent Him. That means if we are walking into a, a hospital room and we feel alone and isolated, we know we can trust with courage that God's going to see us through and that there's a plan for us while we are there. We think about being strong and courageous, and that's not something that's always celebrated today because we like to think about all of our difficulties and problems, right? They become paramount in our life when we focus on those things instead of focusing on who God is and what He can do. But greater still, what can't God do? Think about that. Because we always think about our circumstances and what we can or cannot do. But what can't God do? I want you to think about that list. What can't God do? And I think you will find that that's a short list, right? I think you will find that it's probably not even a list at all. That it's probably just that question at the top of the page. Because there will be no answers to that. Because God can do all things according to His will. Joshua 1, 5 and 6 says this, as, as it's been here with Moses, he says this, it says, no man will be able to stand before you all the days of your life. Just as I've been with Moses, I will be with you. I will not fail you or forsake you. How many of you understand that's the promise that we have? That just as we read the biblical authors and the writers, we, we, we seek after God, that he has not failed them and he will not fail me and you. Amen? He won't fail us. He won't fail us. Not one time, not any time, not any time ever is He going to fail us. So He says with in Joshua, look, I've been here for Moses. I'm going to be here for you. And I think we can look and say within the biblical world, He's been here for Christians for years and years and years. <clears throat> He's going to continue to do what He promised He would do. And then it says in verse 6, so now that you know where your power comes from, be strong and courageous. For you shall give this people possession of the land which I swore to their fathers to give them. This is the promised land. This is the land where God is going to return. We think about now. What's the idea that we have of the return of Christ? We like to think it's imminent. It's soon. It's approaching better and better every day. The odds seem to be that it's moving forward and forward every day in this world. However, you and I, that's for our promised land. That's what we're looking for. That's our reward. That's the end of our days. When he comes home and he says, let's go. It's time to go. Everything I promised you is going to come about right now. But there's also a reminder of all that he's promised in Jeremiah 1.8. Jeremiah 1.8 says this. It says, don't be afraid of them. For I am with you to deliver you, declares the Lord. I'm with you. 
Now, what does that mean for us? That he's with us. That means that wherever we go, we can have courage, right? Wherever we go, we represent the Lord. So wherever we go, and as we go, we need to bring the gospel and share the good news and live in uncertain times with a certain God and trust Him that He is going to do everything that He's called and said that He will do. And we see the providence of God here, right? That He will deliver us. That we will be delivered by the Lord. Not by our own means, right? Not by our hard work, not by our own efforts, not by our own ingenuity, not by our intelligence, not by the amount of books we read and how many college degrees we have, not by anything else. There's nothing in this world that will deliver us. It's only the Lord. That's why it was a difference maker that Jesus came, right? If mankind could deliver themselves, certainly we would have done it in the thousands of years prior to that, right? But we can't. No matter how hard we try, no matter what we invest, no matter how many scientific breakthroughs we have or self-helps we have, we can't do what the Lord can. He will fight, and they will not overcome us. So believers will be delivered this province. Jeremiah 1, 18 and 19 says, Now behold, I have made you today as a fortified city, as a pillar of iron, as a, and as walls of bronze against the whole land, to the kings of Judah, to his princes, to his priests, and to the people of the land. They will fight against you, but they will not overcome you, for I am with you to deliver you, declares the Lord. <coughs> You're going to have people that come against you. You're going to have difficult times and situations. You're going to have opposition. You're going to be a believer in a situation and a place where it's not one of those things that's popular. But that doesn't change the course of who we are and what we're created for, does it? That means that we are doing the right thing. When all these things come against us, persecution, ridicule, everything, we still do what we ought to do because Christ within us is greater than the world around us. And we can do it. And in our time, we realize that if we look back, we see all the biblical authors and even Jesus who faced those things, right? He faced everything, persecution, all kinds of things because of his love for us. And then you have Matthew who reminds us of this. Matthew 14, 27 says, But immediately Jesus spoke to them saying, Take courage, it's I, do not be afraid. We often have to be reminded that if He calls us and leads us to live with courage and to do things which are unexplainable by the human mind, then He's going to go and equip us with what He's called us to do to accomplish all that He has willed. That means that He leads you and I to be bold and outspoken in our faith to tell the truth no matter what the circumstance or the repercussions are, to walk through the difficult times no matter what's happening around us, then He's not absent from that time. He's walking right there with us. He's fighting that fight with us. And He is greater than anything we're going to come up against. So we have this purpose in this life. We have a reason for being here. How many of you have ever heard the phrase that we need to live with purpose? We need to do more than just live within this life 
to get a paycheck, live within this life to pay our bills, live within this life to get to the next day, live within this life to get to our next time that we eat something. All these things we set before us as, as markers. We need to live differently. We need to live and understand that we have a purpose. <clears throat> so what are we to busy ourselves with? Now, if you're like me, you plan ahead. Some of you do, some of you don't. Some of you, we, we plan ahead, we get a planner out, we write our weekly activities and leave openings for flexibility of what might happen or might not happen, doctor's appointments, where we take the kids, what the kids have to do, homework, all these kind of things, and then we think about the meals that we have to fix during the week and all these kind of things, and we try to plan out the week and we try to plan all of these things and we get so busy with the busyness that we don't stop and spend time with the Lord. Matthew 28, 20 reminds us that we're to be about more than just our weekly agenda, more than just our planned events, more than just the things which so incidentally happen in our lives, more than the, the difficulties that make themselves in our lives. We are to teach them to observe all that I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. We're going to tell others about Jesus and his love for them, that they can be forgiven from all their sinfulness, that they can be washed clean, and that they can be made new, brand new, that they can live life differently, that they don't have to carry the weight of the world and the sinfulness of their life, that they do have a choice, and that choice is Jesus, that there's no other way to heaven except through him. And sometimes we tell them by our actions, Sometimes we tell them by praying for them. Sometimes we tell them by the words that we say, the scripture that we allow to be manifest in our lives. But telling them is always better. And someone says to me one time, they say, you know, preacher, I, uh, you know, I, I think they already know about Jesus. I think they already had it figured out. Well, the day and time when we can't bank on that, we need to do what? We need to tell them again. I don't know of anybody that, that is needed to hear the gospel that said, look, I've heard it before. Don't tell me again. Because they, it takes a lot of us more than one time, doesn't it? The first time you heard the gospel doesn't mean that was the first time you responded. Sometimes there's folks that come along, and you've heard this, sometimes they come along and plant that seed, right? Some will come along and water it. Some help it nurture and grow. And then it reaches a point where maybe you walk in and you're like, should I or shouldn't I? And the Lord says, go ahead. And you say, you may have heard of this. But I want to tell you again about the goodness of God, the mercy of God, the grace of God, the forgiveness of God, the ability of God to deliver you from where you are if you're willing to repent and turn from your sin. And this is the one time in your life that you've heard everything that's been said to you all those times before. And then you become a believer who's emboldened and lived with courage in your own life. So, believers have a purpose. John 10, 16. It says, I have other sheep which are not of this fold. I must bring them also, and they will hear my voice, and they will become one flock with one shepherd. There's a reason we're here. There's a purpose we're here. And what's your purpose or response to that purpose to be able to perform the Lord's work? Acts 9.10 says, Now there was a disciple at Damascus named Ananias. 
And the Lord said to him in a vision, Ananias, and he said, Here I am, Lord. Acts 23, 11 says, But on the night immediately following, the Lord stood at his side and said, Take courage, for as you have solemnly witnessed to my cause in Jerusalem, so you must witness at Rome also. Now Paul, after conversion, understood this purpose a little bit more. Although God, I believe, for him, had a plan much earlier than that Damascus Road. Amen? God had a plan for his life long before he understood who God was. Acts 26, 16 says, But get up and stand on your feet. For this purpose I have appeared to you, to appoint you as a minister and a witness, not only to the things which you have seen, but also to the things which I will appear to you. See, Paul understood at that point in time that everything that he had done in his life meant something to get to that point. And everything you and I have done in this life meant something to get you to the point where God could do something in your life. Could extraordinarily change your life. And some of us, it takes a word. Sometimes it takes a year. Sometimes it takes a two-by-four upside the head because we're hard-headed. I know that's none of you. But sometimes it takes something drastic and extraordinary in our life to get our attention. But Paul had a purpose. Can you read back and see what Saul did? Saul wasn't a good dude, was he? Saul was a guy who persecuted Christians, who was responsible for, for deaths like Stephen and others. He did a lot of deplorable things. But God had a plan for him. And we often think God cannot do anything in our life because of what we've done. But I'm here to tell you that God can do anything in our lives if we turn our lives over to Him and live with courage. Because he's greater than our plans. And he knows more than we do. And he can take somebody as deplorable as Saul and make hope. He can certainly take our lives and do something too. When we live with that courage. Acts 27, 23 says, For that very night an angel of the Lord came to me, whom I belong, and whom I served stood before me, saying, Do not be afraid, Paul. You must stand before Caesar, and behold, God has granted you all the things all those who are selling with you. Now, how many of you would love to stand before somebody if you've ever read about Caesar? How many of you would just love to stand before Caesar? <laughs> Anybody just want to go in before this guy who, who rules in that way, who conquers in that way, who can say a word and it just, you know, takes our life? All of those things. I know some of the kids are raising their hand, but they haven't read the book yet. But, um, but look back. There would be a lot of fear and trepidation, but Paul went to different places, was locked up and thrown away the key for his faith, and yet every time there was a purpose that was getting him closer and closer to the people he needed to bring the gospel to. So instead of saying, I'm locked up, what should I do? He said, I'm locked up for the cause of Christ, and I cannot let go of it, it cannot let go of me, so I'm going to live with that curse that I've been called to live with for the remainder of my days, and it's going to cost me my life, and it's going to cost me a lot of things, but I count it all as joy to live for Him and to live in these circumstances. So God has a plan, a plan, a purpose. But I also believe that all believers, now I want you to hear this part, all believers have a testimony that we need to get out there. Now, if you're like me, maybe you have been through a lot of things and you say, well, I'll write down my testimony. And you begin to write down your testimony. And I encourage you to do that if you've never shared your testimony.
you can write it down because it helps you get your thoughts together. But as you write it down, you begin to see the goodness of God and what God's done in your life and how your story is drastically different than the person on the left and the right of you. But that's okay because at the base of what it is, at the core of what it is, it's about a good God who saw us in the sin that we're in and loved us too much to leave us there. Send his only begotten son to die for us that we might have faith in him, might believe he might take our sins and forgive them as far as the east is from the west, and that we might live in accordance to his will the rest of our days. See, at the core of our story is him. So while you and I might say, well, it was at such and such place at such and such time, and this is what I've been through, and this is where he delivered me from, that, that is part unique to us. But the core of who we are, of who he is, is that we have a story and we have a faith. And faith is not credulity. It is not believing in something you know is not true. Neither is it a substitute for knowledge. Christian faith operates in the realm of meaning, not the realm of fact. Faith recognizes fact, but it is not to obtain, contradict, or prove facts. St. Augustine knew this when he said, I believe in order that I may understand. <coughs> C.T. Studd said this, Said some want to live within the sound of, of church or chapel bell. I want to run a rescue shop within the yard of hell. Some of us need to let that kind of resonate real quick. Let me read that one again in case you need to have that a little bit more in your life this morning like I do. Some want to live within the sound of church or chapel bell. I want to run a rescue shop within the yard of hell. Think about that. We need to remember our Christian responsibility is not to win people to Christ, but to witness of what Christ has done in our lives. Who does the saving? He does. We have to have the courage to go and tell the good news. And witnessing, I know, is better than I think. So we need to tell people of all nations, of all people groups, of every opportunity and every chance we have, of the goodness of God. I love the interviews that happen after every sports event, and they go up to the star player and they say, well, how did you feel about such and such a player? How did you feel about this game? Or what did your coach do? And they start asking all these probing questions, and the athlete being overcome with emotion says, it's all glory to God, right? And starts proclaiming all the good news of Jesus Christ before the camera can cut away. They start having a time of saying, God is good, and God has given me all that I have, and I want to tell the good news to the world. And you might look and say, well, they're talented, gifted, and they can play these sports and activities, but they look and say, this is a platform for glorifying my Lord, and I'm going to live with courage, and I'm not going to be afraid. And I'm going to tell people throughout the world, and I'm going to make the good news known. 2 Corinthians 12, verses 1 through 4 says, Boasting is necessary, though it is not profitable. But I will go on to visions and revelations of the Lord. I know a man in Christ who 14 years ago, whether in the body I do not know, or out of the body I do not know, God knows, such a man was caught up to the third heaven. And I know how such a man, whether in the body or apart from the body, I do not know, God knows, was caught up into paradise and heard inexpressible words which a man is not permitted to speak. 2 Thessalonians 3, and that we will be rescued from perverse and evil man, for not all have faith. 
How many of us believe we can traverse this life without faith in God? And if we believe that, how often have we failed resting on our own understanding? Y'all, it's going to take faith in the days ahead. It's going to take courage in the days ahead. It's going to take you and I and what we believe, and we might be asked to render what we believe to a world that needs to know it. And we might lose our very life because we are believers in God. Because we live with courage in uncertain times. But there is a strength and power that we have as believers. And that power comes through the Holy Spirit. And here's some things. It's matchless and unending. And we know that it will never run out, will it? There are no crown wearers. In heaven, that we're not cross bearers here below. Charles Spurgeon said that. There are no crown wearers in heaven that weren't cross bearers here on earth. You got to think about that. It's going to cost us something. And this morning, as we look through Scripture, and I'm giving you a lot of Scripture, I know I did, but the providence of God is present throughout Scripture. But there's no greater example of that or evidence of that than the birth of Jesus, His life, His death, His resurrection. The providence of God on full display for the world to see, right? The world saw, and it forever changed the landscape of what it meant to be a believer in Christ and to follow Him. No longer did we have to bring these, these lambs or these offerings. We had the perfect lamb, the perfect offering that took away the sins of the world. It changed things. And when we tell others our testimony, we aren't just tapping into the purpose and the plans of disciples. We are connecting everything that they've done stemming from the Great Commission. We build on the story that's already been told. And when we undermine that story, do we really think so little of what Jesus has done for us that we won't tell the good news to everybody that we encounter? How many of you have ever been around kids that can't wait to tell you something? What do they do? Do they just sit there quietly? They, they just about burst you, right? You know that face where they're like, you know, poking at you. They're, they can't, they're just like consumed with what they have. We need to be so consumed with telling the good news and witnessing that we're poking at people, that we're talking to people, that we're telling the good news. That we can't be quiet, that we can't sit still, that we can't do anything else but glorify the Lord, that we can't live with courage, you know, all those things. We need to think about what it means to live like Christ at all times and tell the good news. There was a story of missionary E. Stanley Jones, and he had many encounters with people throughout the world. See, we like to think about our encounter, what we have here, locally. But he had people throughout the world, and one of those times he asked leader Muhammad Gandhi what Christians could do to win India to the Christian faith. And this was his reply, and I think this is very telling of everything. He replied that Christians should identify with people as Christ did during his time. Very important we understand that we are to identify with others around us their need for salvation, remission of sins, forgiveness, and we need to make a faithful endeavor to live that out every day. See, God is faithful to His promises. They will not fail. 
We have to deeply believe and trust in that fact. When everything else is falling asunder, we can hold on and have courage. I'm asking you today, if there's something in your life that you need to repent of. Is there something in your life which you thought was so important and really is not? Is there something in your life that you've been willing to put in a place of prominence where you need to allow for God to take and take ownership and take control and remove from your life that you might live with courage? See, the times we live in are uncertain times. But we have a certain God. And we can trust that He will govern and guide our lives even when circumstances are not good. So in these days, we need to live with courage more than ever. We don't need to be shaken. We don't need to be moved. We need to stand tall for God. And we need to tell the good news at all costs. And it will be costly. And it will be difficult. But greater is He that is within us than He is in the world. And He who is within us will lead us to overcome anything that comes our way. We have a word, we have a testimony, and we have a good news that the world needs to hear. And it's my prayer and my hope this morning that if you don't know Jesus as Lord and Savior, that you don't trust in the things of this world, that you trust in Jesus this morning. He can forgive you from all those things which you have done, those things which weigh around your neck, those things which weigh around your heart that you think can never be overcome. He can forgive those. If you let it, will you trust in Jesus Christ this morning? Will you know with certainty that He will be there with you and for you the rest of your life? That you don't have to make it in this life by yourself. If you're willing to trust and acknowledge Him, He's willing to save you this morning. If you're in this morning, you need to live with more courage in your life as a believer in Christ. And I pray this morning that you're willing to commit to Him to be more bold and more truthful and more open and honest about who is in your life and the Holy Spirit's indwelling in you. We are called to witness. We are called to go. We are called to go faithful. Join me in standing as I pray. Father God, we come. Father God, we understand your grace. You are mighty. And Father, you have a mark in our lives that we so desperately want to reach out to. Father God, I pray this world, as it goes the way it is, God, that we are beacons of light in the darkness, Father. Father, you have called each and every one of us to live in these uncertain times, but you've called us to have faith in a certain God. God, you've not left us by ourselves. Your word, the Bible, has taught us how we might build off of those who came before us and might live with this bit of courage and boldness that we need to have. Father God, I pray for those even today that might not know you as Lord and Savior. Father, I pray today is the day that they say yes to you. Father God, I pray this day, God, if you call us to live with boldness, with courage, more now than ever before, God, we're willing to come and give ourselves to you even greater still today. Father God, transform us, sanctify us, Lord, into all that you want us to do. 
God, and as we tell our story of you, God, I pray that you change the hearts, the minds, the souls of mankind. Give us strength in the days ahead. Give us certainty in the days ahead that you have never and will never fail us. Father God, give us the courage we need. And it's in your mighty name that we give praise. Amen. Thank you for joining the Friendship Family today. Your time is your most valuable commodity, and we are enormously grateful that you chose to share some of it with us. If you would like to know more about Friendship Baptist Church, please visit our website, friendshipsturges.com, or our Facebook page. Both links can be found in the show notes below. Although we would greatly appreciate you leaving this podcast a rating or review, we would be eternally grateful if you would be willing to share it with someone else. We pray you have a God-filled day, and please remember, love God, love people, and reach the world.